Welcome to the monthly Three Edge View from the Edge for November 2023. I'm Fritz Foltz, the Chief Investment Strategist here at Three Edge, and joining me here once again this month is Eric Beagleisen, Director of Investment Research and Deputy Chief Investment Officer here at Three Edge Asset Management. Today, Eric and I will provide our firm's most recent outlook for the global capital markets, which is based on our proprietary Three Edge research model. But before we get to that, let's take a look at the activity in the markets this week, where U.S. equities bounced back and forth between gains and losses before finishing the week in positive territory. U.S. stocks had sold off on Thursday after Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell warned that interest rates might have to climb further, stating that the Fed won't hesitate to tighten monetary policy and raise interest rates in order to complete their battle against inflation. However, on Friday, stocks rebound, with tech stocks once again leading the way, as Microsoft stock reached an all-time high on Friday, surpassing its previous high set in November of 2021. The equity markets also got a lift as the extreme volatility in the U.S. Treasury market that occurred earlier in the week seemed to wane. U.S. Treasuries had suffered the worst day in over six months on Thursday, following Jay Powell's aforementioned comments about interest rates and on concerns about the U.S. Treasury's significant financing needs, which could cause Treasury yields to rise. Another factor that is contributing to the environment of radical uncertainty is geopolitics. After decades of relative calm, we can now add war in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas to Russia's invasion of Ukraine in Europe and the ongoing tensions between China and Taiwan. Geopolitical tensions were already elevated prior to the invasion of Israel by Hamas, and as we know, the Middle East is a particularly volatile region. There's always the risk that other actors will be drawn into this conflict. And there's certainly concern that Hezbollah in Lebanon on Israel's northern border, which serves as a proxy for Iran, could enter the fight at some point. And since the Middle East is such an important source of oil, an escalation of the current conflict could disrupt the world oil supply, which undoubtedly would have negative implications for the global economy. So let me bring Eric into the conversation, and let's begin with a review of our three-edge asset class matrix chart, which shows our current outlook for the major asset classes that we model and what may have changed in our outlook since last month. Sure. Yeah, great overview, Fritz. Uh, we're seeing not a lot of movement on on the uh, asset class matrix this month with really just seeing short-term fixed income and cash moving down a block, not necessarily because we don't find cash attractive. We've just found some other uh, asset classes attractive where we've deployed some uh, capital. We you know maintain that negative outlook in US and Europe. Um, we're finding developed Asia, particularly Japan, as well as emerging markets broadly and China specifically, um, it, you know, in that positive one spot and India a little bit more mixed currently, but we saw it ro- rose from a month ago to uh, when that happened last month. So we we're optimistic potentially for for that to be a candidate in the future. Rates still somewhat unattractive. You talked about the bond volatility. I'm sure we'll get into that. Credit still unattractive. Uh, gold still mixed and commodities still somewhat negative. All right, good. So let's dig in deeper uh, into the major asset classes, and let's begin with U.S. equities, which uh, once again seem to be spooked by Fed Chair Powell's comments this week, 
which kind of led me to believe that we might all be better off if Powell and the other Fed governors maybe spoke a little less. <laughs> but anyway, what is the model indicating for U.S. equities? Yeah, yeah, U.S. equities have definitely been volatile and they've been overall trending downward over the past four months. If you take a look at a chart, um, you know, though, you know, we still find U.S. equities, um, you know, incredibly overvalued, right? We've been saying that for, for quite some time and that remains the case even in spite of the decline we've seen. Um, and we just talked, as you talked about the rise in the 10-year bond yield that nearly touched 5% last month. That's another headwind for equity market, for the U.S. equity market. Even the yield coming back down into the 4.6 region that you referenced, if you look back, it's still elevated relative to where it was mm -hmm. over the past several months and certainly on the year. So it's not as though we're seeing, you know, massive retreat in yields here. Um, yeah. You know, as you also referenced, it remains to be seen whether the Federal Reserve's monetary policy has reached a peak in short-term interest rates. You know, so if the Fed rate hikes are complete, that helps remove one potential headwind uh, to a reinvestment in U.S. equities in the months ahead. In the months ahead, but if if more hikes remain, uh, that will certainly um, you know maintain the the unattractive outlook that we have for U.S. equities. All right, excellent. So let's take a look at Japan, which our research continues to find attractive. Yeah, the outlook for Japanese equities remains favorable based on our research. Our measures of investor psychology are positive for the region and the recent action by the Bank of Japan uh, to remove that self-imposed 1% cap on their 10-year bond has helped steepen the yield curve measure, which we calculate for the region. Um, so this is all a positive indicator for, for economic growth in the months ahead. Uh, the yen, that continues to hover around that 150 yen to dollar level which is a level where we have seen the BOJ, the Bank of Japan, intervene in the past to shore things up. So we could see a covering of that yen carry trade, which could lead to a sharp yen rally. Uh, mm -hmm. So with that said, with that in mind, we continue to favor Japanese equities, but the preference is for exposure with the currency that is unhedged uh, at this time. Excellent. Okay, so let's shift gears. Let's take a look at European equities. Mm -hmm. European equity outlook uh, remains negative. Uh, the yield curve measure we calculate is indicative of a of an economic slowdown ahead, um, and the direction that that the yield curve's heading in isn't helping either, as it's getting more inverted. So those are all negatives. We've seen inflation in the region come down somewhat, as uh, as is the case in the U.S., but we maintain these concerns regarding bringing inflation down to that targeted two percent. Uh, so this may force the European Central Bank, like the U.S., to leave rates higher for longer, uh, or even raise rates further. Uh, which would just be a continued drag on the prospects for growth. All right. And now we'll shift gears and look at China slash emerging markets. And what is our model indicating there? Yeah, after going from you know a negative outlook to a positive one, which is what happened last month, um, we've maintained our favorable outlook for, for emerging market equities into November as low but rising short-term yields, particularly in China, uh, may be in, indicative of the potential for growth in, in emerging market economies. Um, and they maintain relatively uh, attractive valuations. So those are all, that's all, that's all good. You know, the potential for additional stimulus measures by the Chinese government may, um, mm. you know, that might provide support for the economy and for other emerging market economies more broadly. You know, one potential headwind is the flattening yield curve, as we have seen that rise in the short-term yields, which we're, which we're indicating as a positive. It has not been met with increases in the long-term yield. So that is leading to a flattening. So we'll no doubt keep an eye on that, to see how long, you know, to see what happens with that particular factor. Okay. Uh, last equity asset class would be India equities. What are we seeing there? 
Yeah, so India's central bank, the Reserve Bank of India, you know, it's done somewhat of a, a good job in reducing inflation in the region, which has and that so that's been rewarded favorably in, a, in the model's outlook. Um, that said, the outlook still remains cautious as it does remain overvalued by our measure and the yield curve we construct for the region remains somewhat uncompelling. It's not it is it's not it's inverted by our calculation and it's not necessarily trending in any particular direction at this point in the near term. Um, you know, we have seen some tightening credit spread measures, which could be indicative of some potential upside in the months ahead. So some positive factors, some negative, nothing pushing in extreme directions. So overall, kind of a mixed or neutral outlook. All right, great. So U.S. equities remain overvalued. Japanese equities remain attractive. And by our measures, China emerging markets, at least for the time being, are, are somewhat interesting. Yeah. Yeah, good summary. All right, let's look at fixed income and the U.S. Treasury market, which is supposed to be a sleepy and dull area of the capital markets, but we've seen just almost unheard of degree of volatility. So what is going on in the bond market and particularly the U.S. Treasury market? Yeah, yeah. If you're familiar with the VIX index, uh, which is a measure of the level of volatility in the S&P 500, there's a similar style index for the bond markets called the MOVE, M-O-V-E index. And to your point, this index has been elevated for, for some time now, and we're, we, we've all certainly been feeling the gyrations in the, the bond markets as we've seen big yield moves at the short end driven by the Fed, but the long end as well as investors try to anticipate the Fed's next moves, the direction and level of inflation, and assess whether or not we're heading into a recession. Um, it feels like we investors are changing their, their thoughts on these topics daily uh, almost. Uh, we saw this play out in October with investors showing concern that the Fed would need to keep interest rates higher for longer to combat inflation as the yield on the 10-year rose to nearly 5% intra-month, which we, we've talked about now. Uh, however, the, the following the recent Fed meeting, as you pointed out, Fritz, yields have settled down somewhat as investors are forming a narrative that, that the Fed may indeed uh, begin cutting rates, uh, which the market is priced in as early as June of, of next year. So given the risks that inflation may prove to be persistent, along with the increasing supply of government debt issuance, we do continue to favor short-term U.S. Treasury instruments, which are earning an attractive yield with relatively low duration and credit risk, and most importantly, serve as, as that dry powder for the opportunities that may lay ahead. I read a quote <clears throat> this morning from John Authors in uh, Bloomberg, who I really like, smart guy, and, and referring to the U.S. bond market, the U.S. Treasury market, he said, the market does not do nuance. You know, I mean, they just, it's either black or white, they're raising or they're cutting crazy. Anyway, what about the corporate bond market, uh, what we refer to as the credit market? So what are we seeing there? Yeah, not, 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 not much change here. The inversion of that U.S. yield curve that we've talked about continues to signal the risk of a potential economic slowdown, you know, which, is, which we believe is not necessarily reflected in the corporate credit spreads at this point. So as a result, our outlook on corporate credit just remains cautious. All right, great. Uh, let's take a look now at real assets. So it would be uh, commodities and gold. Why don't we start with gold? Certainly people, more people talking about gold as it got up around that $2,000 uh, mark. But what's the model saying about it? Definitely. Yeah, gold was one of the few major asset classes that actually appreciated uh, in October. Uh, you know, the outlook remains cautious for us in the short term, despite that, as the direction and level of real yields continues to be this just headwind for, for the model to get really excited about it. The longer term outlook remains positive uh, towards gold, as it could serve as a better hedge than bonds against a downturn in the equity markets uh, during potentially a stagflationary environment where we maybe, you know, see inflation without any growth. 
uh, and or as a geopolitical hedge is always the case for gold um, to the risks of the many current world conflicts that you noted earlier just getting worse in the months ahead. Okay. Um, other real assets, we'll look at commodities, and it looks like oil prices have actually come down a bit here. I think we're at about maybe $80 a, a barrel for Brent crude, and that's right in the middle of the face of this potential you know, expansion of problems in the Middle East. And I think Russia and Saudi Arabia are continuing to say that they're going to continue to keep the production of oil down. So what are we seeing in terms of commodities? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, increased conflict in the Middle East uh, from where things stand now, along with oil production cuts that would likely cause a spike in oil prices at a minimum, if not of the broader commodity complex. Um, prices have settled back somewhat recently, as you noted, around $80 a barrel for crude, Brent, um, Brent crude. Prices are back to where they started the year, though. Uh, so, right. you know, we've seen a lot of volatility and, and prices really haven't gone anywhere uh, despite that. You know, at this time, based on the model research, you know, we're seeing a weakening Chinese yuan, their, their currency, and generally widening credit spreads in the U.S. And so those, those are contributing negatively to the outlook in the near term for commodities. All right, great. All right, Eric, thank you very much. That is our outlook for the global capital markets during what we describe as this period of radical uncertainty. So that will do it for Eric and me for this month's View from the Edge. Eric and I will be back again in early December, which is kind of amazing. That's already December, with the next edition of our monthly Three Edge View from the Edge. And Steve Cucchiaro and I will be back next week with the latest edition of the Three Edge Week in Review. If you'd like a hard copy of the View from the Edge newsletter, which we publish every month. You can find that on our website, and that's at 3, the number 3, edgeam.com. And as a reminder, our entire library of video content, always available on our 3Edge YouTube channel. And if you think that someone you know may benefit from these videos, please feel free to share them. So on behalf of Eric and everyone here at 3Edge, have a great weekend, and thanks for listening. This commentary is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities. The opinions expressed in View from the Edge are those of Mr. Foltz and Mr. Beagleisen and are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. This commentary is not intended to provide personal investment advice and does not take into account the unique investment objectives and financial situation of the listener. Investors should only seek investment advice from their financial advisor. The observations include information from sources that 3Edge believes to be reliable, but the accuracy of such information cannot be guaranteed. Investments, including common stocks, fixed income, commodities, and ETFs, all involve a risk of loss that investors should be prepared to bear.